The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brown with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about creating best-in-class, personalized, cross-channel customer experiences using a CDP, AI, orchestration, and more. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Pini Yakwal, CEO at Optimove. Pini, welcome to the show. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Before we dive in, though, why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself as well as on on what Optimove does. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Optimove is uh, the first mar- customer-led marketing platform, and we've been uh, we've been up and running since 2012. It started a company back in Tel Aviv, and today we have offices in uh, Tel Aviv, London, and New York, and we typically work with the uh, with like with B2C brands. So people like uh, Staples, Papa John's, FanDuel, different types of brands like that. And uh, essentially we were all about customer data analytics and how you use that to improve communication and personalization with your end consumers. Great, great. Yeah, so we're here to talk about, you know, really building best-in-class, personalized, cross-channel experiences. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk about a few different aspects of this. And one thing I wanted to start about, certainly something that's top of mind, it's hard to not read about it these days, Um, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, and, you know, just kind of its relationship to the the customer experience. So, you know, how how would you describe the optimal relationship between AI and and the customer journey? Yeah, I think that... uh... You know, ultimately, I think it starts with the relationship between AI and, you know, the human user, the human operator of of different marketing platforms. And I think, uh, you know, the optimal relationship is kind of like the cliche that, you know, I used to say, people say it a lot, like AI is not the Terminator, it's like Iron Man. (laughs) So it's like the Iron Man suit. The idea is that the marketer brings in creativity, you know, the marketer would ask the right question. The marketer would design an experiment, would do all of those great things. And, and the job of AI is mostly to optimize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, and I 
I always say it's like it's augmenting what either what people or other platforms are doing, right? Is that is that kind of what you're saying? I think I'm saying like it's supercharging the, yeah. the capabilities of, of a person. I, I think recently with, with Gen AI and like uh, OpenAI, ChatGPT, stuff like that, like it's it's kind of like redefining things a little bit. I think it's still too too soon to understand exactly what's what the impact's gonna be. Um, so, you know, it's a lot about language and kind of like I'm sure that like my my yeah, I don't know, my kids are not gonna do homework in the same way with ChatGPT, yeah. but <laughs> this, right, this, right. <laughs> this is something I'm certain about, but like uh, how exactly we're exploring a lot in OptiMove, like we're actually got a, a big task force now kind of like doing stuff with Gen AI and, and what types of use cases can we generate? Like a lot of it is around UX. Uh, some of it is around kind of like summarizing data insights, obviously copywriting, like a lot of different things. But uh, I think that like on shield optimization, which is based on data, I think it's still kind of like the, the AI that we knew, let's say, a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, and can you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah, I mean, tech, you know, you've been using AI in Optimove for years now, right. probably, probably from the start of the, right. the product, right? Can you, and, and it's, you know, from my understanding, it's a, it's a little bit of a unique approach to it. So could you talk a little bit about that and, you know, the decision-making components, you know, all, all of those, those ways that you've been using AI thus far? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So for us, uh, kind of like when I started a company, I started a company out of university and I was uh, I was studying and mastering in a framework called the Markov decision process. And basically, this is what I applied in Optimove because, you know, when you're a hammer, the entire world looks like nails. So I was uh, I was I wanted to basically apply that model on customer data and Essentially, that's how we got started. So uh, it's a model that kind of like looks at customers, you know, puts them in in tiny micro segments and then kind of like tracks their behavior and how they move between those micro segments. And based on that, you can basically predict different things. Can You can take decisions. So, you know, you can optimize between different options. So that's the, the overall framework. So what it gave us at the beginning was like different uh, different predictive scores and, you know, different values like a, like future lifetime value and, and different things like that, predicted lifetime value, churn, also that, that was the beginning. But today we're able to essentially have this model optimize and choose the best, the best communication which a customer should get if that customer is eligible for a few different things. And usually with advanced CRM programs, CRM marketing programs, what happens is if you just got a few journeys on, like it, they probably never collide and, and you know, they're completely uh, orthogonal. So then you don't need it. Yeah. But when your program becomes more sophisticated to cater to your real customer wants and needs, what happens is, is that, you know, an individual customer can be eligible to many different things. And then we use AI to choose the one that is going to, you know, satisfy the customer the most and, and yield the most return for the business. Yeah, yeah. And I want to I want to get back to the concept of of journey orchestration in a, in a second as well. But bef- before we do that, real quick, um, one more thing on AI. You know, as certainly we work with a lot of a, a lot of great brands and have worked with a lot of teams over the years. Um, what should marketers keep in mind when using AI? You know, is it, 
is are there mindset shifts that some of your customers sometimes have to go through to you know before they start using it is you know what what should they be keeping in mind as they kind of make this again the yeah. almost a mental shift yeah i think i think first of all yeah there's the, it's actually pretty interesting like there's there's a there's a wide spectrum of of behaviors right you got the you got let's call it the old taxi driver type of a response, which is, you know, like a taxi driver that doesn't believe ways can navigate better than right. him. So right. sometimes he was just like, ah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to use this. It's like, I know better, you know, it's a machine like, ah, you know, so I think sometimes, you know, people need to, you know, to understand that that shouldn't be the case, right? Especially by actually researching and understanding the problem that AI is trying to help you with. That's, that's number one. And I think on the other side of the spectrum, uh, you have people that have insane expectations. Like why does it, why didn't it tell me, you know, that, you know, the sky is going to be red tomorrow or why didn't right. it tell me that like, this is going to be my best selling, like, you know, you know, unrealistic expectations, um, also can, can you know, jeopardize your, your utilization and usage of AI. And I, and I think both ends of the spectrum stem from the fact that like uh, some people are not educated enough. So the, the truth is in the middle, right? So you shouldn't expect uh, insane, you know, miracles from it, right? You know, at the end of the day, uh, the marketer is still going to be there calling the shots, you know, building out experiences for customers, analyzing data, taking decisions, designing experiments, asking questions, the human still going to be the human and the marketer still going to do his thing. And, and now like it's going to basically, sometimes going to save you some time. Sometimes it's going to make something simpler. Sometimes it's going to boost performance just because it can permute and, you know, run a lot of different uh, tests and just choose the best yeah. one while you are basically sipping beer at the beach. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So let's, um, it's kind of a good segue here to, I want to get back to, to the customer journey uh, part um, conversation. And, you know, certainly Optimove already had capabilities in this area for a while, but um, in 2022 acquired a company called Cumulos, um, which expanded these, these capabilities across channels, including mobile. Um, so, you know, I've, I've talked and, and written a lot about, you know, this channel switching behavior of customers, you know, it used to be a decade or more ago, someone might switch between two or three channels. I think now it's like an average customer um, switches between five or six out of potential 15, 16 channels. So, you know, a lot, a lot of channel switching going on between this and, you know, what, what do brands need to know and, and be doing about this, this behavior so that, you know, A, they're incorporating that into their experience, but also just to increase loyalty, retention, and, and, and satisfaction throughout that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a few thoughts about channels. I yeah. think the, the first one, obvious one is that, you know, I think quite a few, you know, like five, seven years ago, I remember when I was living in the States, kind of like, a, you know, going to all the trade shows you know, everybody was talking omni-channel, right? There was, there was a point in time yeah. that everybody was talking omni-channel. And if you think about it, it's true, right? You, you do want to be able to orchestrate one seamless experience that sees all the channels in one place and the channels can basically bounce off one another, 
communicate in a way with one another. So if you think about like you're running some kind of a some kind of a campaign or a journey, you want to be able to to make sure the channels. Sometimes you do symmetric messaging, so you'll say the same thing across a few channels, right? Which is nice and yeah. important. Sometimes you'll have the channels complement one another, right? So one would start with one thing and the other one would continue to another thing, assuming that you can capture the behavior between the two and stitch the data. So it is true that a, an omni-channel experience is much more valuable because the customer is the same person, right? And they consume the information in different channels, but they still have this one brain that captures all this information. Right. And they, they don't want to feel like you're a different company when they're on mobile or they're on web or SMS or whatever. So that's 100% true and something that yeah. uh, is is doable today, like with, with today's technology, like with Optimove and other people. For us, going back to like the Cumulus acquisition, it's an acquisition, it's a, it's a mobile marketing platform. We wanted to have, so we're, we're on a mission to basically add muscle to the brain. Uh, and I'll explain mm -hmm. what I mean by that. So we were born as a brain, but usually we would orchestrate communications and messages and interactions across different channels via API. So we would connect to, you know, a Salesforce marketing cloud or, you know, what, what you, an acoustic or what used to be, yeah, what used to be silver pop. And, and we would connect to those different channels right. and orchestrate those experiences. But at the same time, you know, those API integrations are, are sometimes not as seamless as you would want them to be. And they present, sometimes they present challenges, sometimes they present limitations. So yeah. to deliver that experience to, to the fullest potential, we basically started on, on this journey of growing muscle to the brain, meaning like having our own native channels. So when we have our native channels and we have the AI in there and all the data in the same place and all the channels in the same place, we feel that we can deliver on this promise. I'm a great believer that data and channels need to live together. I think today the market kind of like buys it in a different way. So you'll buy your CDP and then you'll buy your message first platform and then you just kind of like stitch them together with an API. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't impact the way that either one of them works. So I, I, I think that this kind of like siloed approach is, is still a problem. Before we continue, I wanted to share a key strategic resource that a majority of the Fortune 500 are already aware of. Finding the best technology, business, and talent solutions is not easy. With business demands and competitive pressures mounting, you need to be able to design, deploy, and optimize your technology to provide leading customer experiences while driving business growth. Those of you that have been listening to this show for a while know that this podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems a global provider of technology, business, and talent solutions for more than 80% of the Fortune 500. Tech Systems accelerates business transformation for their customers. Whether you're looking to maximize your technology ROI, drive business growth, or elevate customer experiences, Tech Systems enables enterprises to capitalize on change. Learn more at techsystems.com. That's T-E-K systems.com. Now let's get back to the show. Your product, you know, does a lot of things, but it certainly emphasizes the real-time aspect of, of all of this too, which is certainly key, you know, so real-time decisioning, real-time personalization, uh, you know, why do you see this real-time component as, as such an important part of the, of the customer experience? 
Yeah. So, so again, I think it's a, and, and I've seen it throughout the years, you know, at the beginning, uh, people would talk about real time. I mean, if you go to like, uh, there was always like some kind of real time technologies, oh, you know, probably 20 years ago, they were like way less powerful than today, but some people did something real time yeah. as the years went by and technologies became better. It's becoming more and more uh, popular and, and always the thing that people always acknowledge and understand is that like some marketing opportunities will be missed if you don't respond in real time. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that, that's something that's clear to everybody. I think the confusion lies in, in the fact that like sometimes people think that everything needs to be in real time and it goes into like the way data platforms are constructed, but like. In the world of data, you still have uh, you still have kind of like real time platforms and and analytic pla analytics platforms, and you you need both basically because to to perform like a deep analysis on historical data in a real time platform don't work for that. So uh, so that so so number one, I, I believe that like same as kind of like think of about us as humans, right? So we all do kind of like real time processing. What's happening right now? I'm talking to Greg. He's asking me questions. Uh, you know, I'm responding to you in real time, but at the same time, I'm relying on my long-term memory, my experience, things that I did before, and that's how, you know, you conduct yourself. And, and I think it's the same with, with, uh, with smart, sophisticated CRM marketing platforms. It should be something similar. Now that covers the need for like customer interaction in real time. When you talk about decisioning, that's actually like, like a step further where I would say sometimes a queue in real time or something that's happening in real time is something that I want to take into consideration. Let me give an example. Let's say we have a, a communication going out to our, to customers that have churned, right? They, they, they haven't been, they, you know, they haven't interacted with the brand for more than six months. And what you want to do, is, and you schedule the campaign for today to talk to them about it, offer something, try to get them back. The campaign is scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern time. Now, some of them, or let's say even one of them, 10 a.m., they're, the, they're, they're at your website, right? Browsing, looking at stuff. That's happening right now in real time. Yeah, yeah. Are you sending the 4 p.m. campaign? I don't know. It's a good question, right? Right, right. <laughs> Maybe you are, but, but wait a second. Like, your customer is checking you out right now. So maybe you want to say something else, right? Maybe you want to, maybe you want to adapt your churn campaign and, and acknowledge that visit or talk about something that happened in that visit, right? right? So, so this is where you can basically use real-time data to also augment your, the decision or, or, or you, you kind of like your course of action. Like you, you were planning on doing something, but something happened in real time, obviously the big percent of this group is, is not going to be on your side on that day, especially customers return, but some will, right? Yeah. So I think, I think real-time behavior can definitely, you know, also impact the decisioning that we do in terms of what to say, when to say it and to who to say it or on what channel to say it. Like all of that stuff is something that you can optimize using real-time data. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I, I like that example too, because I, th I think it does paint the picture because, you know, obviously we want to, we want to communicate, we want to reduce churn, we want to do all these things. And yet, you know, it kind of shows the the value of, of tying it together, which is the last thing I wanted to really talk about is, you know, just not only tying it together, but also kind of, you know, what what's next with all of this. And so, 
one-to-one real-time omni-channel personalization that's a lot of buzzwords and jargon okay. and, and everything but it's also what i think brands should be striving for and for some saying those things that's a that's something that that seems attainable even if it's not necessarily um, being attained today for others it may sound like science fiction but you know it's yeah. still it's still kind of the the goal but there's certainly some hurdles to get there for you know especially for for many and so you know one of the things that i've witnessed just in, in working even with you know very large brands on on some exercises like this is just the idea of scaling and you know how do you create enough content variations how you know how much is enough when you start thinking about personalizing and and especially when you start approaching that one to one idea you know how should brands be thinking about this from a a realistic and 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 scaling perspective yeah that's that's a great question and I, i've seen it evolved over the last 11 years yeah. some you know unique folks were doing it very well also 11 years ago yeah. uh, but that was very rare i think it is getting better all the time definitely getting better i think it varies per industry we do see uh, you know folks in gaming uh, being very sophisticated and and you know building amazing programs in other industries it may be slower but then it's on a case by case basis right some company would have a data driven culture yeah. a test and learn culture and they would just be obsessed about experiences and customers personalization some other companies are more about merchandising they would believe that product triumphs everything product customer support we right. don't necessarily have to talk to our customers in a personalized manner because our product is so great right yeah. so you see all of that i think that the things that that make it successful is first of all i would start with the with the with the org structure that a company has right yeah. so if you have an org structure that is still designed by channel as an example so you have an email team you have a mobile team you have a you have a website yeah. team you have a store team that makes it harder uh, you're going to you're going to struggle uh, with with achieving things like that if your executives are asking you to push email revenue towards the end of the quarter and uh, you know fire a few more campaigns to make sure that you hit a number i i yeah. think that's that's going to be challenging that's going to be hard i think the way to do it is like you you want to you want to design a team that's a uh, multidisciplinary so yes you need some folks that understand mobile better folks that understand email better but the team is a customer centric team that's designed to build experiences for for uh, customers, for the end customer, because the same customer, the same person, that team should, should, you know, ideally have a leader that can, can understand this. That team should be data literate. Maybe some people in that team will be deeper in the data, but they don't need to be analysts or things like that because there's tools that can allow them to democratize that capability. And of course they can talk to uh, internal folks in the company, uh, sorry, internal resources that know this better, but it's it's mostly multidisciplinary team like i think that would be the beginning and the yeah. second part would be just like the name of your of your blog greg is to adopt the agile approach yeah essentially starting with with things that are more simple so even if you think about you know segmentation and and uh, how many different types of personas of customers you talk to so you start with like 
maybe three or five, but you always, you're always engaging in the art of, of finding smaller and smaller experiences, but with automation and software yeah. and just the ability to scale those things, as time goes by, you start to cover more and more unique experiences for your customers. And, and you build like a machine that's becoming a constant delighter, something that really impacts customer lifetime value, something that really pushes your revenue up and, and essentially make people love you more, like for, for not only for your product, but also for the way you engage with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just want to emphasize two things that, that you said, I agree with all of it, but you know, two things in particular really pop out to me. And, and one is you're talking about the incentive structure for lack of a better term. And, you know, you mentioned the example of the email team, their job is to send emails and get as many opens and clicks and, and everything like that. And so, you know, kind of changing that incentive structure to be, we're not going to focus on how uh, solely how a channel performs, we want every channel to perform as well as possible, of course, but we're going to focus on customer lifetime value. And, you know, how and how are we how are we performing as an org across you know, across silos. I, I think that's, that's a really thing, a really important thing that, that you said that I, I wanted to highlight. And and second thing is the culture aspect and this culture of experimentation. And, you know, cause that is a huge shift. And, you know, I think agile plays into that. I think just the idea of doing small things conceivably, you know, I hate to use the the F word, but, you know, failing as a learning experience. I mean, me, I embrace that, you know, it, it took me a little while, but like once I, once I started down that path, it's like, I want to fail as much as I possibly can to get to, to success. But, you know, just that, that cultural shift, you know, what, what does that take from, you know, how have you seen that from a, is that a leadership, you know, a leadership change or, you know, how, how yes. do you see brands embrace those things? Definitely, I think it should come from leadership, 100%. It's, uh, I, I think you just, you, you nailed it. If uh, even I can tell you like here internally in Optimove, I always kind of like in every meeting I'm at and in every session I'm at, I'm trying to understand kind of like if a piece of work can actually start smaller. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. basically trying to remove work that my teams are trying to do. Yeah. And say, hey guys, if you nail it when it's smaller, yeah, next week do do your plan, like like evolve it to the next step. But first yeah. of all, nail it when it's smaller, because we know because things get complex, and things, and especially when organizations are big and there's many departments, many technologies, many different types of agendas. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, we, we call it, you know, the elephant carpaccio, right? You gotta slice it up to yeah. thin slivers of work and deliver value. You got to make sure you, get, you deliver value. And I think that the notion of Agile is a very tricky one, right? It's people interpret it differently. People, you right. know, look at it differently, but, but I think, and people always mistake, mistakenly think that Agile is being unprofessional, is doing something which yeah. is not, not thorough, not deep enough. And that's not the case, but, but it's, it's, it's such a, like you always have to repeat it. And, and people think agile is only for developers. It's not true. It's, it's in any team that gets stuff done, right? Yeah. They work in sprints, you know, and try to think about the minimal, the minimal amount of the, of produce that will yield value and then, and then evolve it from there. But it, it it's, it's yeah. always, it's always hard. Some people do it better than others, but to your point, yes, I think if it comes from management and 
you hire people that believe in it. Talent is also a big thing, right? So the, the yeah. having yeah. good talent in an experienced department is, is very important as well, obviously. Yeah, no, no lo- love it. Yeah, and I think, you know, as per the, the Agile thing, you know, I think if you hear people talking about Agile as if it's A, reactive, B, we're winging it and making it up as we go, like that, those are always red flags to me. I mean, there, there certainly is an aspect of, you know, iterating and, and coming up with new things as you go, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it needs to be methodical. And, uh, you know, to, I look at it as a scientific, you know, process, um, you know, using scientific method and things like that. It's just, it's a lot more flexible because the, the cycles are, are shorter and, and the, there, there's a focus on, you know, continuous improvements throughout and, and things like that. So, yeah. Um, well, uh, Pini, thank you so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. And, you know, you've given a lot of great advice already, but just you know, if you had one piece of advice for for brands that want to improve personalization across the journey, but maybe not sure where to start, you know, what, what could they do today to, to make a difference? Yeah, I think the stuff that we covered, I, I would probably start with the with org chart and then I would probably start yeah. with the you know, orchard is one, talent is the other, capabilities and data is 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 another, you know, the, the platform that you use. So see if you can uh, if you can incrementally move in each one of them to get better because it's yeah. a, it's a it's a journey. It's gonna be a journey. For every company there is a different stage and it's gonna be a journey. So I don't know if there's like one silver bullet, like one thing that would get it done, but uh but all of the above will probably, probably, you know, set you on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Pini Yakuel, CEO at Optimove for joining the show. You can learn more about Pini and Optimove by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.